A former president indicted for falsifying documents to hide something that wasn't a crime. These are the courts, which require of a defendant the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, while the attorneys deal exclusively in half-truth and innuendo. What's the solution? Heavy doses of the truth. And this is TNN, the Truth News Network. And on the bench, Judge Dan Newman. Here we are. Ending the week, Friday, and we still have so many unanswered questions. It seems to get tougher and tougher every week during this administration. It's like Joe Biden's crew, whoever that's comprised of, they keep coming up with things to throw out there to deflect our attention away from the really important things. That's what we do here at TNN Live. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friday. Welcome to TNN Live. Another big week comes to a close, and it comes to a close with great controversy, and it just keeps piling up and piling up. We're going to dig through as much of it as we can do in two hours today, and we're going to let you go into the weekend, your weekend, kind of relax, having all the facts that are necessary just to know what's going on before you go into a peaceful, restful weekend. It's what we're going to do today. We're going to do it together. And through it all, no matter how bad it is, we're going to be happy. We're going to be able to sing a nice song and kind of uh, jig a little bit. How about this song? It might seem crazy what I'm about to Listen. 
Do you ever listen to a song and you know it came out some time ago, maybe years ago, and you wonder what was going on in my life when I first heard that song? That song, Happy, it's from the movie Despicable Me. It came out in the spring of 2015. I like to relate a lot of songs to specific circumstances that went on in my life, in my life, when the song came out. I was in L.A., first time I heard this song, Los Angeles, out there on a business trip. And it was so joyful and positive. And think back what was going on in 2015 in the nation. We were lost as geese. Our government was crumbling We didn't know what was going to happen. We were getting set for a big presidential election coming up in 2016. Democrats were going crazy, imploding among themselves. Who were they going to put up to run against whoever was going to run on the Republican side? That ended, of course, being Donald Trump. It was a contentious year. But then comes this song, this happy song. I will never forget I was there on business in Los Angeles over two weekends. And I went to church, a church that I'd never been to, never heard anything about it. I was just told it was a good church. And they made a real impact on me because at the very beginning of the service, before they actually started the service, they had a big video board up above the stage. And so they played this song, but the video was picturing all of the staff members and several members of that church that were showing their moves to that song, Happy. Even the senior pastor and his wife did a little jig. It it made a big impact on me. In the middle of circumstances, even really bad circumstances, when the government's not going well and we don't see any end in sight, we don't see any hope of any change there, And then the economy, all those things rolled into one. It makes life really tough for most people. Some people, way more tough than other people. You know exactly what I mean when I say that. But in the middle of it all, every once in a while, there's a song that comes out that we can rally around and just talk about being happy. I like that. I like that attitude. I'm one of those people that my glass is always half full. Never, I refuse to ever let it be half empty. There's always something good out there. You just got to look for the good and push through some of the bad stuff to get to the good. Aren't you glad we have that opportunity as Americans, at least right now? Yeah, we're going to get into some examples of uh, a lot of people trying to take that away from us, that good thing, that attitude, that atmosphere of things are good, going to get better. Maybe things are not quite as good as we would wish they were, but they're okay. After all, we still live in the freest country on the planet, at least for now. Well, I hope you're having a good week. I hope you're going into the weekend in a very positive mindset. We're going to look around our nation, look around the world. We're going to bring you some information that many of you didn't get yet, but are important things that you need to talk about, at least hear about. We're going to do that as a wrap-up on our week. By the way, a reminder, every Saturday at truthnewsnet.org, we publish our bullet points story. What it is, it's a capsule of the biggest stories of this week, the current week. 
And a lot of times there's no way you can just stay glued into the news. So you're going to miss some really important things. So here's how we format it. There's a bullet point, two or three sentences explaining a story. At the end of it, there's a link for you to click on if you want to go to a full story and get all the details about it. If you already know about it, you don't want any more information, you just skim down to the next one. It's a really good way to start a Saturday morning with a cup of coffee, maybe sitting outside in your lawn chair if the weather's good, looking across at your spouse, maybe sharing a a donut or some other good breakfast item, maybe catching up on the news, just listening or reading bullet points. But it's a great way to do that. We invite you to join us. How early does it come live on Saturday morning, 1.45 a.m. Central? I doubt you're going to wait up to get it fresh. (laughs) I don't recommend it. Just when you get your day started every Saturday, take a gander at Saturday Bullet Points at truthnewsnet.org. So where are we going to start this morning? How about here? New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, Austin, Washington, Philadelphia, Portland, Seattle. Those are all big cities all across the U.S., right? Each of them has a very powerful past, and each of them became a beacon to millions around the world. Each of those cities have. Democrats have run all of them for generations. Trillions of federal, state, and local dollars have flowed to these cities in the last two decades. But each of these cities is an ungovernable mess today, unable to provide even essential services to its residents. I'll give you the city names again. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, Houston, Austin, Washington, Philadelphia, Portland, and Seattle. The common thread across all of these regions is that each is proud and a bastion of extreme progressivism. In March of this year, in March, a reparations committee appointed by the city of San Francisco, this committee recommended that every eligible black adult in San Francisco get a $5 million check in reparations for past injustices all personal debt and tax burdens to be waived, homes to be provided for just $1 a family, and a $97,000 annual income be provided for the next 250 years. Does this mean that the state and the city are flush with cash, San Francisco, California? Heck no. Have they taken care of pressing urban problems already? Not at all. The state of California, they have a $300 billion budget for 2023. And they're projecting now a deficit of $32 billion. In April, the state defaulted on its $18 billion debt to Washington and forced transferred its obligations to California businesses. Yeah, that's Governor Gavin Newsom. He's a peach, isn't he? Meanwhile, San Francisco and Los Angeles, they've lost their original appeal 
and resemble third world urban cities. If you hadn't been to either one of them in a while, but you've been there in the past, take a trip out there. Do a long weekend. Catch both of them, San Fran and L.A. It'll blow your mind what they look like now compared to what they look like three, four, five, six years ago. The National Review reported in September of last year that reports of human and animal feces on San Francisco sidewalks increased 400% just since 2012. When the Biden administration stopped enforcing Title 42 a week and a half ago, Texas Governor Greg Abbott, he sent the National Guard and the state police to better police the border. And he argued that the federal government had failed to act. Liberals cried foul, saying that states must defer to Washington. And they cited a U.S. Supreme Court ruling in June of 2012, Arizona v. United States, that states may not implement their own immigration laws. Yet, these same liberals have, over the years, encouraged the creation of sanctuary cities, which refuse to cooperate with the federal government's effort to enforce immigration law. Aren't they just wonderful? They care for these illegal immigrants, right? As a practical matter, Sanctuary cities have made the housing crisis in these liberal cities already made miserable because of homelessness, poverty, drug use, unbearable, and unsustainable. It just gets worse in those sanctuary states and cities. The New York Times reports that the Big Apple is already overwhelmed and attempting to house 78,000 residents in temporary housing and, by the way, primarily in hotels. Mayor Adams has proposed eliminating the city's right to shelter guarantee, which requires the city to offer shelter to anybody who asks for it. Meanwhile, busloads of new illegal migrants arrive in the city's boroughs, demanding they be provided refuge. Well, from where will New York get the money to continue supporting its progressive vision? The Tax Foundation's Business Tax Climate Index already ranks New York 49 out of 50. They're one from the bottom of jurisdictions. And it's not just housing. We mentioned a couple of weeks ago that New York City has a K-12 budget of $39 billion. $39 billion. Yet its children a majority of whom are from underprivileged communities, are failing. In 2021, the average mass score on the SAT was 492 out of a maximum of 800. And that placed New York City kids in the bottom 42% of the global student population taking the test. The average English score was worse, 484 placing city children in the bottom 39% of the world's students. What's the left's solution to this disastrous performance? Organized to eliminate standardized testing to determine merit for college admissions. What else? Dumb it down. Make it look easy. Make it easy. And then you can pat yourselves on the back because you lowered the standard while New York City kids get dumber 
Thanks to activists like fairtest.org, every premier elite college, from Harvard to Stanford, no longer requires the SAT or the ACT for college admissions. There's one exception to that, MIT, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And then what about crime? Urban crime in these cities has reached dangerous proportions. A few weeks ago, we discovered data reported by police chiefs in 70 metropolitan areas showed that while homicide and rape cases fell just slightly, robbery cases increased significantly from 2021 to 2022 by nearly 13%. Aggravated assaults also increased 2.5%. In both cases, the 2021 numbers were already records in Austin. The situation is so bad that veteran police officers are handing in their badges and heading to the exits. One New York New York Post story in March, it recounted that 9-11 calls are being redirected to the 311 non-emergency number. Why? There aren't enough cops to solve the crimes in Austin. America's great cities can't proceed down this path any longer. But vulnerable populations will keep returning reckless, liberal politicians like the squad, Corey Bush, and Jamal Bowman to power. Doubling down, tripling down on stupid. Definition of insanity, doing the same thing, involving the same people, electing the same people over and over and over again, putting them back in power the same people. And you're insane if you expect different results. Voters hope these leaders will return more federal dollars to the urban areas of the nation, but voters don't understand that the U.S. government, already facing $31 trillion in debt, does not have the funds to underwrite progressive policies championed by these cities. It's a pipe dream. Look at what's happening around. The left, the progressive left, they got all these big cities to declare themselves sanctuary cities. You'll be the bastions of representation of the good across America by opening up your arms and taking these migrants in that are just trying to find a better way to live for their families. And then when the rubber meets the the road, they're all screaming and hollering and they're wanting help. They want out. Despite America's urban problems, Washington's politicians are ever ready to send dollars and weapons to Ukraine. We're at $116 billion and counting. Not to mention the $1 trillion tab that'll hit American taxpayers shortly when reconstruction begins in a country that most Americans still cannot find on a map. There is something utterly wrong with this picture. It makes absolutely no sense. What is America trying to do? Are we trying to do everything we can do and we're supposed to do? For the people of America? Heck no. 
Nobody can credibly make that allegation. It's just not happening. Forget about the fact that all of these leaders, every level in our government, every one of them took an oath of office to serve and protect, to do everything they can do in government and the jobs they were just elected to represent us in, for us, what a joke. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to get everything I can. I'm going to take care of me first. And if there's any leftover time, money, energy, I'll make it look like I'm helping the people that voted me into office. Don't scoff at me. That's happening across the board in Washington, D.C. every day, every day. And it's not getting better. It will not get better until our leadership, the core of American leadership, is changed. The people that are there that keep going back and getting reelected and reappointed and keep going back, unless and until we, the people, change those names, everything's going to just stay in the realm that it's living in right now, and it will get worse. New leadership. It's what we got to have. There's a lot of news coming out today. Much of it, not real positive. To be honest with you, news is news and facts are facts. And that's what we have to stick with. Now we have a new guy in the Republican run for the Republican nomination for president. He's not new. We've known him for years. He was a member of the United States Congress, the House of Representatives. He left Congress and ran for governor of Florida and won and recently was reelected. He's thrown his hat in the ring to push against Donald Trump and several others to get the Republican nomination to take on whoever the Democrats put up in the 2024 election. So DeSantis says he's not just leaning in his term. He's not just doing that leaning in. But he's winning. He's winning against the media and against the left. And he vows to leave woke ideology in the dustbin of history. There's no doubt he's a popular Florida governor. He's done a great job down there. People love him. He's armed with a track record and his Tea Party roots conservatism to the bone. He came out swinging on Newsmax yesterday and fired directly at the juggler of... Rhinos, establishment Republicans, Republican in name only. He said this, how many establishment Republicans would have sent illegal aliens to Martha's Vineyard? He did, of course. How many establishment Republicans would have stood up against Disney? He did that too. How many establishment Republicans would have signed the bill that I just signed to ban land purchases from people affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party in the state of Florida. We're now being sued by the ACLU for doing that. He wasn't done. How many establishment Republicans would have leaned in to support our children against the pronoun Olympics? We're the first state to do that. 
How many establishment Republicans would have banned gender transition surgeries for minors? Got to be honest with you. He brings up some very good points there. He's just getting started. We, of course, will keep our eyes on Governor Ron DeSantis, also the other Republican candidates that have tossed their hat in the ring, and Democrats, too. We're going to keep watching it. We're in an election season, in an election cycle, and you know what that means. Politics, campaigns, press conferences. If you're going to get tired of it, go ahead and get tired of it. Get it over so you can just kind of stroke along with us and we'll keep you tuned in to the facts of this campaign. This is a campaign cycle. It happens every two years. Every four years, it's the biggie. That's when we have a presidential election as well as all the congressional seats in the House of Representatives and whatever Senate seats, U.S. Senate seats are up for grabs. Some disturbing news came out early this morning. I was, um, I was up in the wee hours of the morning, and often when I can't sleep, I go and I begin to peruse the news, and especially like in 1, 2, 30, 3 o'clock in the morning, that's when all the, the that day stuff begins to, to roll out. Biden's administration, they've got a plan going on that's pretty spooky. They have proposed a rule. Now, remember, it's a rule. It's not a piece of legislation. It's not an executive order. It's a rule that will be published. And if this thing stands, this rule, it would subject hopeful contractors for certain federal agencies to emissions targets. Those emission targets are set by a coalition of activist organizations. Some of them work today with the Chinese government. I'm not joking. According to this proposal that's been out since November of last year, the science-based target initiative called SBTI must validate greenhouse gas emissions reduction plans for every major company before they can do business with the Department of Defense, with NASA, the GSA, General Services Administration, all of those agencies. SBTI is a partnership of the United Nations and various climate activist organizations with ties to China, including two whose China-based operations function under branches of the Beijing government. The rule, quote, beholds federal contractors to the approval of the United Nation and non-governmental organizations who may have significant ties to foreign adversaries like China. In 2015, sustainability pros from the World Resources Institute, from the World Wildlife Fund, the CDP, and the UN Global Compact came together after the Paris Climate Accords, to find ways for corporations to set benchmarks and to come up with plans that would help them meet the goal of net zero carbon emissions by 2050. SBTI emerged from that coalition, sets the global standard now for so-called science-based climate objectives. So in this whole process, China manipulates not-for-profits 
to promote a really good positive image of China, and they're doing that in exchange for access to federal funding, to visas, and important government leaders. Rob Bishop of Utah wrote in a 2018 letter citing research and news articles, a 2017 law placed international NGOs under Chinese police control to support the Chinese Communist Party's global influence operations. That's happening right now. As a result, some organizations, they turned to tailoring their programming to accord with government priorities. Got to get those government contracts. Oh, we'll do anything and everything we can, whatever we have to. We want to be doing business with China. WRI is an organization that researches development and environmental issues. WRI operates in China under the guidance and supervision of the Beijing Public Security Bureau and the Chinese Ministry of Ecology and Environment. The organization works with Chinese businesses and national and local government bodies on environmental policies. That's according to their own website, WRI. It received a registration certificate in 2017 after nine years of operating exclusively in China. It's here. It's in your country. It's operating today at the United Nations behest, and they fly below the radar screen regarding the United States government. The only part in this process that's necessary for us is just to write checks to the United Nations and then sit down and shut up and let them roll out all the stuff, the good stuff in climate change. You know, the stuff those scientists have said. Like the scientists said back in the 80s, we're about to go into a new ice age. And then in the 90s, it was, we're going to burn to death. And then they finally decided, you know, this is all making us look bad every couple of years. We have to change our climate claw, uh, cause, so we'll just roll everything into one thing and call it climate change. No substance. Oh, but boy, a lot of symbolism there. And you know symbolism is the way the United States now rolls. Forget about the facts. Forget about evidence. Just go with the flow. After all, we're woke now. You need brake pads? We have brake pads. Like dependable brake pads, quieter brake pads, longer life brake pads, and performance brake pads. At AutoZone, we have all the brake pads you need so you can get the job done right. Get in the zone, AutoZone. When it comes to online meetings, you're crushing it. But if you want to crush something that's a little more fun, why not play Best Fiends, the five-star rated puzzle game? Best Fiends is loaded with challenging puzzles that are so much fun. And you're never accidentally on mute. So take a stress break with the cutest characters on the planet and download Best Fiends for free from the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Play Best Fiends. Download free. How to improve your dining room by the Home Depot. New wood floors, new paint on the walls. Sure, you know us for that. But how about a new dining room table, matching chairs, bar stools, 
How about free and flexible delivery with easy online returns? Now you can explore decor in a whole new way. Save now on furniture. Everything for your home. Everything from HomeDepot.com. How doers get more done. U.S. only valid through September 7th. Limitations apply. Whether holding down the fort or bouncing back to school, childhood is always in session. So keep feeding us right with sun-made snacks. Just like when you were a kid. Remember their naturally sweet raisins? Yup, still delicious. And so are Sun Mate's other snacks, like creamy yogurt-covered raisins, sour raisin snacks that taste like sour candy with no added sugar, and Sun Mate's new s'mores and birthday cake bites. All delicious, all made with whole fruit. Sun Mate snacks. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying value drink. Price participation may vary. Remember when the news was just facts? Remember when the news was truth? It still is. TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, Dan Newman. Do you have any idea how hacked off I get when I do the research for this show or somebody sends me stuff? And by the way, I get a lot of text and emails from people that are asking me, hey, have you seen this yet? Please, don't stop doing that because I can't find everything. There is so much hiding and deflecting that goes on in the news world. I mean, it basically, fundamentally, every news organization, almost without exception, just a couple of them out there that are right down the middle, but just a couple, you got to dig to find stuff. So I appreciate those of you that do that. Feel free to do it and continue to. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Dan at truthnewsnet.org. Also, we have some contributing writers that write stories we publish at truthnewsnet.org. Kelly Nelson, one of our great friends, a compadre, actually a big element in this show, and also the stories we publish at truthnewsnet.org. She penned a really good story today on the front page. You need to check it out. It's part one of a multi-part series. And it's about the political structure that we are now looking at in our nation. And it harkens back to previous times, not here, but in other parts of the world. So please stay up to date every day. We're putting some really good stories out there for you. We can all learn a lot by reading. One of the greatest oxymorons I've seen or heard of so far in the Biden administration came out yesterday. You're going to laugh at this one. U.S. Customs and Border Protection claimed yesterday they actually said this and doubled down on it. The U.S. government does not financially support illegal immigrants. They don't give illegal immigrants any money. They claim that while federal dollars continue to fund nonprofits, NGOs, non-governmental organizations that are helping illegal migrants in every possible way. 
CBP asserted the U.S. government doesn't provide help or financial support for non-citizens. However, FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, they run the Emergency Food and Shelter Program, which provides tens of millions of dollars every year to fund non-governmental groups helping migrants. Now, this is according to FEMA's website. They brag about it. Former Border Patrol Chief Rodney Scott, who testified to Congress Tuesday of this week that the U.S. government is using tax dollars to aid illegals, called the program basically money laundered to these NGOs. On FEMA's website, there's a page. And on that page, it specifically outlines funds for organizations assisting migrants. Now, what are the numbers there? Well, it includes $350 million in already used funds in fiscal year 2023. $350 million this year. And our fiscal year began October 1. So we've got October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May. In eight months, $350 million tax dollars. The program has also provided more than $300 million to organizations helping migrants between fiscal 2019 and fiscal 2022. Border Patrol releases illegal migrants to nonprofit organizations. They help connect them with transportation as they await the adjudication of their asylum claims if they make them. Nonprofit organizations like the United Way, American Red Cross, Catholic Charities USA, the Jewish Federations of North America, National Council of Churches of Christ in the USA, the Salvation Army, United Way Worldwide, all lead FEMA's emergency food and shelter program, and all of them get funding to help illegal immigrants through their programs, according to the program's website. It's happening. Moreover, an April report from the GAO, Government Accountability Office, found that the Department of Homeland Security coordinates with and funds nonprofits that help illegal migrants. DHS's FEMA, Federal Emergency Management Agency, Emergency Food and Shelter Program, provided more than $282 million in humanitarian relief grant funding to nonprofit and governmental organizations. This grant funding covered services provided to non-citizens in fiscal years 2019, 2021, and 2022. Here's the bottom line. The Biden administration, all of the left sycophants that are in Congress, the squad and the other lefties, they all hide behind all of this. They actually think that because the federal government's not writing checks or handing out cash to these illegals, which, by the way, in many cases they do, but we don't want to talk about that right now. Even though they may not give the money directly You and I are paying these NGOs, those charities we just mentioned. They're getting direct payment from our government to do the direct care financially of all of these illegals. So it's like 
Well, you know, it didn't come off of the United States checkbook directly, but the checkbook wrote a check to each of these NGOs for hundreds of millions of dollars that you and I are paying for people that are here illegally. I heard a funny back and forth this morning as I was driving in from the morning prayer that I'd go to every morning, Monday through Friday. And Lawrence Jones, he was sitting in for one of the regular hosts on Fox and Friends Morning. And Geraldo Rivera was on there with him, and they were talking about illegal immigration. And Geraldo, as he is so prone to do, he's an attorney. He's been a TV star, an investigative journalist, all those kind of things rolled into one. He has a lot of fans across the nation. And numbering among the fans, he's his number one fan, and you can tell it by listening to him pontificate, which he did. But LJ stopped him midstream. Geraldo actually tried to make a verbal case that the answer to curing all of our illegal immigration woes is for us to just legally give them access to live here and work here. That's the panacea that we all need. Lawrence went crazy. Now, he was very professional, which I applauded for doing it. I don't think I could have been as professional as he was in responding to Geraldo. He said, we can't do that. He's talking to Geraldo. Geraldo said, we got to make them legal, give them green cards so they can get jobs, yada, yada, yada. LJ said, we can't do that. We can't do that, Geraldo. Geraldo said, why not? Because they're criminals. Oh, they're not criminals. Yes, they are. Anybody that steps foot from a foreign country onto American soil without having a written invitation is committing a federal criminal act, period. And oh, by the way, everybody else that is making it easy or suborning or helping these illegals come in, they're suborning criminality, and that's a federal crime. Do these people think Americans are stupid? Or do they even care about the lies that are being propagated and the hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars that we don't have? We're in a war trying to get Congress to raise our debt limit so we can go borrow money just to pay our outstanding bills. It's not to go create some new ways to spend more money. We're just trying to pay our old bills. And of course, our president, who's the key figure in negotiating all of this, he's made it very clear. He won't negotiate at all. He wants nothing less than a blank check. So he can go write a check for any amount for anything that he wants, and we're going to pay the bill. That's exactly what's going on right now. I think they think we're stupid. Some of them do for sure. There is so much evil that's permeating our government. It's just spreading like weeds. 
in South Louisiana in the summer. It's wet, it's hot, and weeds love wet and hot in the summer in Louisiana. And boy, you can grow some weeds really tall, really quickly. Same thing's happening with our government. We've normalized criminality. It's okay. Alvin Bragg, the prosecutor in Manhattan, he made it very clear. I'm going to stop prosecuting lawbreakers unless they shoot somebody pretty much. And even then, he'll let them out with no bail. How do you expect for lawlessness to be stopped if the law enforcement people refuse to enforce the laws on a local, state, or federal level? Criminals are criminals. They think that way. Not everybody that breaks a law is a hardened criminal, but if they break a law, by definition, they are criminals, at least that one time. Human nature takes over when somebody wants something and they're willing to go get it or go do it and conduct a criminal act to do that. If they're not held accountable, people are, in many cases, just like kids. When your kids are growing up, you tell your kid, don't play with that match. Don't you dare play with that match. They strike the match and you pop them on the hand and take the matchbook away from them. The next time they want to do the same thing, don't you light that match. They strike the match. If you don't pop them on the hand and take the matches away from them, guess what they're going to do? The same thing over and over and over. It's called accountability. It's called the law. And we're really close here in the United States to losing all of that, the ability to hold each other accountable because it's only... When the political elite determine we're going to hold these people accountable for breaking these laws, that's the only time it's enforced now. And typically, those that are getting in trouble, the elites are allowing to be prosecuted, they're conservatives. After all, leftists, they can't do anything wrong because they've got the heart and the mind for America. The rest of us, you MAGA conservatives, you're evil. Fundamentally, anything you say or do is going to be wrong just because of who you are. Seriously. There's a lot of really difficult hearings that are being held in Congress right now, committee hearings especially. Oversight. Senator Josh Hawley yesterday, he had FBI Director Christopher Wray in front of him. And I must be honest, Josh Hawley went nuts on Christopher Ray, the FBI director. Mr. Chairman. All ideologies, it does not have uh, any uh, bias against any religion of any kind. Well, you could have surprised me because given the resources that you are expending and the apparently intelligence assets that you are deploying against Catholics, it appears, and other people of faith while simultaneously turning a blind eye while people are executed gang style in the streets of our cities, including in my home state, Your answer, frankly, surprises me. Let's talk about the Mark Houck case, for example. You've been asked about this already today, and frankly, your answers really astound me. This is a case where a Catholic pro-life demonstrator, father, was accused of disorderly conduct in front of an abortion center. The local prosecutor, the Philadelphia district attorney, 
who is a Democrat, a liberal, very progressive, declined to prosecute. There was a private suit that got dismissed. And then after all of that, your Justice Department sent between 20 and 30 armed agents in the early morning hours to the Houck's private residence to arrest this guy after he had offered to turn himself in voluntarily. Here's the photo once again. You can see the long guns. You can see the ballistic shields. You can see that they're wearing bulletproof vests. Why did the Justice Department do this? Why did you send 20 to 30 SWAT-style agents and a SWAT-style team to this guy's house when everybody else had declined to prosecute and he'd offered to turn himself in? Determinations of how to make arrests under arrest warrants are made based uh, by the tactical operators um, in the uh, district. They are not but you surely looked into it by this point, right? They you, you know the answer, surely. They, all I know is what uh, the FBI has said, which is that they made decisions on the ground as to what was safest and easiest. So you do not agree with your description of what happened on the scene. You don't agree with my description. I'm pointing out what the photo is. There are agents here who have long guns and ballistic shields. Let's take a look at the hardened criminals that your Justice Department sent these armed agents to go terrorize on that morning. Here they are. Here they are at mass. Here's the seven children with Mr. Houck and his wife. In this early morning, they were all at home. Mrs. Houck has said repeatedly. The children were screaming. They feared for their lives. You've got these agents demanding that he come out. They've got the guns, she said, pointing at the house and at them. He has offered to turn himself in. And this is who you go to terrorize. What's really interesting to me is this seems to directly contradict your own memorandum about the use of force at the Justice Department. You say, Officers may use only the force that is objectively reasonable to effectively control an incident. Are you telling me that in your opinion as Attorney General, it was objectively necessary to use 20 or 30 SWAT-style agents with long guns and ballistic shields for these people? What I'm saying is that decisions about how to go about this were made on the ground by FBI agents. So you're saying you don't know? I'm, I'm saying what I just said. Which is that you're abdicating responsibility? I'm not abdicating responsibility. Then give me the answer. Is Do you think in your opinion, you are the Attorney General of the United States, you are in charge of the Justice Department, and yes, sir, you are responsible. The so FBI, give me an answer. The FBI does not agree with your description. I'm not asking about the FBI. You are the Attorney General. Give me your answer. Do you think that it was objectively reasonable and they followed your guidelines in sending 20 to 30 armed agents to terrorize these people. Yes or no? The facts I have, which are those presented by the FBI, are not consistent with your description. So you think it was reasonable? I'm saying the facts are not as you describe. What, that the children weren't there? That there, wasn't, that there weren't long guns there? That that's, there weren't agents? What, wasn't, what, what do you dispute? What's the factual premise you dispute? FBI Be specific. said they don't agree with your description of... Be um, specific. They don't agree with what? Of of how many agents, of the agents who were there, and of what their roles were. They don't agree. Do you know That's the jury in this case acquitted Mr. Houck, as I'm sure you're aware. Do you know how long it took him? I, I am aware, and we respect the decision of the jury. Do you know how long it took him? I don't know. One hour. One hour. 
Philadelphia District Attorney declines to prosecute. The private suit's dismissed. You use an unbelievable show of force with guns that I just note liberals usually decry. We're supposed to hate long, long guns and assault-style weapons. You're happy to deploy them against Catholics and innocent children. Happy to. And then you haul him into court and a jury acquits him in one hour. I just suggest to you that that is a disgraceful performance by your Justice Department and a disgraceful use of resources. I notice a pattern, though. The FBI field office in Richmond on the 23rd of January of this year issued a memorandum in which they advocated for, and I quote, the exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development against traditionalist Catholics, it's their, their language, including those who favor the Latin Mass. Attorney General, are you cultivating sources and spies in Latin Mass parishes and other Catholic parishes around the country? No, the Justice Department does not do that. It does not um, um, do investigations based on religion. I saw the document you have. What did you do about appalling. it? It's appalling. It's appalling. I'm in complete agreement with you. I understand that the FBI has withdrawn it and is now looking into how this could ever have happened. How did it happen? That's what they're looking into. But I'm totally in agreement with you. That document is appalling. I'll tell you how it happened. The... This memorandum, which is supposed to be intelligent, cites extensively the Southern Poverty Law Center, which goes on to identify all of these different Catholics as being part of hate groups. Is, is this how the FBI, under your direction and leadership, is, is this how they do their intelligence work? They look, they look at left-wing advocacy groups to target Catholics? Is this what's going on? I mean, clearly it is. How is this happening? The FBI is not targeting Catholics, and, and as I've said, this is... an uh, an inappropriate memorandum, and it doesn't reflect the methods that the FBI is supposed to be using, should not be relying on any single organization without doing its own work. Should not, should not, should not be. But they're doing it anyway. And by the way, you're the boss of everybody in the Department of Justice. Can't you do something about rogue agents or rogue managers in the FBI that are okaying these kind of tactics to be used? Are you trying to make the FBI look like they are part of the police state? Give us some answers, Mr. Attorney General. And he's like talking to a blank wall. He never knows anything. He never takes responsibility for anything that happens in the DOJ including the FBI. He always defers to somebody else. I don't have that information, but I can get back to you with it. That's the same thing Christopher Ray does, the FBI director, when he's before these committees testifying. Our government is in the tank. Formerly the number one law enforcement agency of every, in every country on the planet, the FBI, is now in the tank and is already, if not there, trying to become part of the police state, seizing the rights, the civil rights of American citizens so Big Brother can run our lives. That's happening, and it's happening every day. <clears throat> Off to gang and showtime. Uh, do you know this guy? I'm not going to cry, am I? Only if you don't believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. <laughs> movies, right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly 
for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute. It's stupid. Cars today are computers on wheels. That's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car, but. When something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? Most likely, no. That's why I have CarShield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. CarShield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit carshield.com. Use the promo code iHeart to save 10%. That's carshield.com, promo code iHeart. Deductible may apply. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's employee of the month, 2 months in a row. Leave a message at the Hi Jamie, it's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the name your price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes, no, maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. regular here at TNN Live, you know that every Tuesday, Steve Baker joins us in hour number two. Sometimes it goes longer than just the second hour, so we start early. Depends on what's happening up there. But his specialty has been, he really began hard doing diligent investigative photojournalism and reporting beginning on January 6th when the riot happened at the U.S. Capitol. Subsequent to that, he's been deeply involved in the aftermath, which includes a bunch of trials. And he followed very closely and reported to us on a weekly basis about the goings-on in the trial of the Oath Keepers. Well, sadly, yesterday, the leader of the Oath Keepers, who quite honestly Steve Baker really likes a lot, has a lot of respect for, He was sentenced in court to 18 years for the role that he played in the January 6th riot. His name is Stuart Rhodes. He's the founder of Oath Keepers. He got an 18-year prison sentence for his involvement in the riot that day, January 6, 2021. That's the longest sentence given to date for any defendants involved. Rhodes is one of 14 January 6th defendants that pled guilty to or to be convicted of seditious conspiracy. He's the first to be sentenced. Four Proud Boys members were found guilty of the same charge in early May, including former Proud Boys National Chairman Enrique Tarrio and members of Ethan Nordine, Joseph Biggs, and Zachary Rell. The moment you are released, whenever that may be, you will be ready to take up arms against your government. That's U.S. District Judge Amit Mehta told Rhodes before giving him his sentence, according to 
the Associated Press. Prosecutors urged the judge to hand Rhodes a minimum sentence of 25 years. They argued that he encouraged Oath Keeper members to assemble weapons that could be used in the city and prepare for violence if Donald Trump did not prevent Congress from certifying the 2020 election results. Judge Mehta applied enhanced terrorism penalties to Rhodes. Though judges resisted doing so in some previous sentences for other J6 defendants, he said Rhodes presents an ongoing threat and a peril to this country, to the republic and to the very fabric of our democracy. Prior to being sentenced, Rhodes characterized himself as a political prisoner, likening his case to the former presidents in Kafka's The Trial, maintaining that he did not intend to disrupt the transfer of power, but was present in Washington as security for speakers at the rally and noting that he never entered the Capitol. Judge Mehta cited messages sent between Rhodes and other members of the group that were shown during last fall's trial to demonstrate he had plans to disrupt the transfer of power, including one sent two days before the election telling members to get prepared for civil war. This guy's been in prison for two years, longer than two years. Supposed to get a speedy trial under the U.S. Constitution, two years. He didn't go into the Capitol. What does this tell you? Let me tell you what it tells me. Washington, D.C. is weaponized against anybody that is not part of the party in power in our government. I don't think anybody can credibly say that's not true. If you don't tell the company line, if you don't espouse wokeism, if you consider yourself conservative in any way, you're in the bullseye of the left. 18 years this guy's going to spend in federal prison. He'll probably get off a little bit. Oh, and by the way, I can pretty much guarantee if Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump become president, these people are going to get pardoned because it makes no sense. None of this makes any sense. Let me just point something out to you. How many trials have you heard about against the members of Antifa that destroyed night after night after night all kinds of property, threatened people, beat people up, We had federal agents who were blinded permanently in Portland, Oregon by members of Antifa using those laser lights, shining them into their eyes. Seriously. Not one of them's been arrested. Not one of them's even been adjudicated under the law, federal law, certainly, but not even Oregon law for any of that wrongdoing. What about Black Lives Matter? They tore up the Miracle Mile in Chicago. They burned down a huge portion of downtown Minneapolis in the aftermath of the George Floyd death. Rochester, New York, 
They marched through the streets there, tore into restaurants while people were sitting there eating dinner, walking through and grabbing food off the tables and terrorizing those people. Similar things happened in Black Lives Matter instances in New York City, even in Atlanta. How many of those people have been prosecuted for any of that? According to federal law, their acts were acts of terrorism. I'll tell you why none of it's happened. There are rules for thee and different rules for me. So says leftist politicians, leftist people in law enforcement. The law, laws that were passed legally by the governments, state, local, and federal, they don't matter if you're a leftist. You live by the rule, which is anything that we want to go, goes. And nobody can argue with us. To me, that sounds like the epitome of a police state where one party controls everything and everybody else is at the behest of the whims and the wishes of that one party. Supreme Court busy yesterday. They unanimously ruled in favor of a 94-year-old Minnesota grandmother named Geraldine Tyler, who had her home seized by the state because she owed $15,000 in back taxes, and then the state sold it for $40,000, keeping the proceeds rather than giving them to the owner. And by the way, that's got a legal term for doing that. It's called home equity theft. A taxpayer who loses her $40,000 house to the state to fulfill a $15,000 tax debt has made a far greater contribution to the public that she owed. That's from Chief Justice John Roberts. He wrote in a majority opinion published yesterday. The taxpayer must render under Caesar what is Caesar's, but no more. The case is titled Tyler v. Hennepin County has the potential to now set a precedent in homeowners' rights when it comes to the seizure of property by the state. This also impacts eminent domain issues. The associate editor for Reason, Billy Binion, posted a thread about a month ago. In it, he explains the case in detail, including the fact that Tyler owed back taxes of $2,300. A further $13,000 was tacked on by the state for penalties, fines, and interest. Here's a note in the paper up there. The Supreme Court is hearing a big case tomorrow. Should unite everyone, left, right, and center, and the national press has almost totally ignored it. It centers on an elderly woman who fell behind on her taxes, so the county took her home. They sold it, kept the money. Binion wrote this, kicking off the thread linking to an article on reason. Her name is Geraldine Tyler, and he went through the story of how that all came to pass. The Supreme Court will decide if it's constitutional, which they did. It sounds like an easy case, but it has not been. Multiple federal courts ruled against Geraldine and said the government did nothing wrong by stealing her equity after it satisfied her debt. Binion went on to point out that seizure of homes has happened repeatedly to people of every age, particularly with respect to the elderly. And it's not just happening in Minnesota. 
equity theft is taking place across the nation. Police state. Police state. Oh, my gosh. I'm one of those old people now. A few months, I'll be 70 years old. And I used to think people that were 45 were old. And then when I hit 40, I thought, my gosh, people that are 60 are old. Then when I hit 60, I said, you know what? Being 80 or 85 ain't too bad a deal. Why is it that elderly people are always the target of government people? Things like you just heard that story. Just seems to always fall out that way. Big news on Capitol Hill, Jim Jordan Judiciary Committee in the House, the chairman, he's demanding information from the Department of Justice on IRS whistleblowers removed from the Hunter Biden case. I'll make a prediction. We're going to get this this news, this information over the next couple of weeks. Jim Jordan demanded documents from the DOJ yesterday related to allegations that the DOJ retaliated against an IRS whistleblower that was investigating Hunter Biden. Jordan told the Attorney General in a letter that he is seeking information about the removal of an IRS criminal supervisory special agent and investigative team from a high-profile, controversial, ongoing investigation. The timing of the department's removal of the agent and investigative team raises serious concerns given that the investigation was the subject of the agent's protected whistleblower disclosure. The letter, it comes in response to attorneys for the supervisory special agent. They later revealed his identity in a CBS interview as 14-year IRS vet Gary Shapley, asking Congress to investigate Shapley's removal from the case as potential unlawful whistleblower retaliation. Shapley told CBS that he'd been assigned to a high-profile investigation in January of 2020, and it was confirmed from a source familiar related to a years-long federal probe into Hunter Biden's taxes. Shapley's being represented by Empower Oversight. That's a firm launched by former Republican aides that works to protect whistleblowers. Those are supposed to be people that when you declare you're a whistleblower, you're protected from retaliation. Not so much the case in this Department of Justice under Christopher Ray, FBI director, or Merrick Garland, the attorney general. They got the power. They're going to do whatever they want to do and screw what's legally right or wrong. We're just going to do it because we can get away with it. And they have been. Empower Oversight contended the move that happened was clearly retaliatory and that it stood in contrast to IRS Commissioner Daniel Werfel recently vowing before Congress not to take such measures against whistleblowers. Shapley detailed his whistleblower allegations, which he had initially made privately in in a closed Congress hearing, saying that when he began investigating Hunter, he immediately saw it was way outside the norm. Shapley said he observed multiple steps that were slow walked at the direction of this Department of Justice 
and the deviations from normal processes seem to always benefit the subject of the investigation. It's unclear why Shapley and his team were taken off the Hunter case, and the DOJ declined to comment on that at all. Jordan wrote that his committee would not tolerate the DOJ's retaliatory conduct against this or any other whistleblower. If we lose the whistleblower process in our government, we'll never know what's going on. Never know what wrongdoing's happening behind the scenes. That's why the whistleblowers are giving, they're given indemnification. They're not to be harassed. They're not to be gone after for the fact that they are actually voluntarily stepping forward with facts about wrongdoing in our government. Jordan asked that Merrick Garland, Attorney General, respond to him by June 8 with the requested documents and communications. The letter comes the day before Shapley set to testify behind closed doors. That would be today to the House Ways and Means Committee, which is conducting a concurrent probe into the IRS's handling of the whistleblower allegations and subsequent alleged retaliation. When the government can and does go after the American people, it turns out not to be good. Not to be good. It always does. Weaponization of government against the people my gosh. We're going to take a break. When we come back, big news from one far-left Democrat in Congress, Representative Jayapal from, let's see, she's from Wisconsin, isn't she? No, no. She's from Washington State. And she's got some advice for President Biden what to do in the face of this debt limit crisis he is facing. And she's got a real simple plan to take care of it. That and much more after this. You do your thing, and you do it well. Now, it's time to do it bigger. It's time for Shopify. Shopify makes it easy to set up your online store, expand into new sales channels, and bring your brand into the real world. Get everything you need to launch your business today with Shopify. Your true friends are the people in your life that totally get your inside jokes, your unique style, most important, what you want to eat. Taco Bell knows that when you get together with your real friends, it doesn't matter what you're doing, but hey, it might as well be something that everybody can get into, like the taco and burrito cravings pack with four crunchy tacos and four beefy five-layer burritos. So even if... You're all sitting around doing absolutely nothing. You know you'll still have a good time. It's Taco Bell's Taco and Burrito Cravings Pack. Get it for the friends that get it. For a limited time at participating Taco Bell locations near you. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion smoky barbecue. Cheddar sour cream salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your left your wallet at home but now you have a new best friend the many flavors of lay's chips one taste and you're in love i love going all natural 
It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all-natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food. With no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids. Only at Carl's Jr. Let me tell you what we have coming up between now and the end of the show. We've got some sound bites that are really going to blow you away. Chip Roy, congressman from Texas, he's on the cusp of making sure government is doing the right stuff. He goes crazy in one sound bite you're going to hear. Also, Maria Bartiromo, she comes in and talks about taxpayer dollars that are funding programs linking Republicans to Nazis. Oh, my gosh. Matt Taibbi, you know him as the uh, one of the whistleblowers. Well, really not a whistleblower. The guy that uh, was pouring out all that information about Twitter in the very early going. He's going to talk to us about IRS intimidation of him personally. The government, my friends, is weaponizing against all of us, and nobody seems to be exempt. Well, the far left, and I'm talking about AOC in Congress and the other members of her little group, Representative Premier Jayapal, actually numbers among one of those leftists. She was on CNN this morning yesterday, and she said that Joe Biden should invoke the 14th Amendment to end the debt ceiling stalemate without any spending cuts. She said, it's our constitutional obligation to raise a debt ceiling, which Republicans are refusing to do, which is a lie. More than a month ago, the Republicans passed a debt limit increase in the House of Representatives. She was part of that. Of course, she voted no, but she said Republicans are refusing to raise the debt limit. That's a quote from her yesterday. Ball-faced lie. She said, so again, let's make it clear that anyone who thinks this is normal, it's not normal. Republicans are using this as a hostage takeover move because they couldn't get these cuts that are trying to get in during the regular negotiations and appropriations session. I think the American people have to understand that is what's happening. What they don't want the American people to understand is when the debt limit negotiations take place in more than half of the instances in the past where they were taking place and either party was in charge, either Democrats or Republicans, there were negotiations included and those negotiations were for spending cuts. They think Americans are stupid that we don't have access to things like YouTube where we can go actually see people and hear people saying things themselves. And they just think we can't do it, so they'll just come back later and lie about it all. Jayapal added, so you know, is it our preference to use the 14th Amendment? Of course not. 
We think Republicans should raise the debt ceiling, which they've done, by the way. That can happen today if five Republicans who are responsible to their constitutional obligations get out there and sign the discharge petition for a clean debt ceiling raise with Democrats. So I don't want to use the 14th Amendment, but what I am saying is that if it's a choice between a catastrophic deal for the American people, either through default or through these awful spending cuts, then I think the president would have to go to using his unilateral authority to raise the debt ceiling, which is unconstitutional and will never happen. Joe Biden himself has said that two or three times. Now, Democrats, instead of coming to the table and giving themselves to real, honest negotiations with Republicans on the matter, Joe Biden, he took the weekend off. And the deadline's next week. At least that's what Secretary of Treasury Janet Yellen tells us. I don't think it is, but nevertheless, that's what they're saying. Instead of doing the honest stuff, what Democrats are out there doing, they're railing. We played yesterday for you several different members, Democrats in Congress, screaming that the cuts that the were included in the bill that was passed in the Republican House of Representatives, they say it was going to cut veterans' benefits, that it was going to cut Medicare, it was going to cut Social Security, all ball-faced lies. None of that is part of the bill that the House passed. And yet, Democrats will lie. They'll say anything to get their followers up in arms, angry, PO'd, at Republicans, and it's not factual. I guess the worst part of that for me is they really think we're too stupid to check that out. Something very unusual happened yesterday. Critics are crying foul because of a decision made by Washington, D.C. prosecutors to drop nearly all of the charges that were originally faced by the man who rammed into White House security barriers early in the week. On Monday evening, a man in a U-Haul, replete with a Nazi flag, crashed into a White House barricade. He was later identified as Sai Vershith Kendula, a non-white, non-citizen, 19-year-old from Chesterfield, Missouri. So following that altercation with the truck, he was arrested and charged with threatening to kill, kidnap, or inflict harm on a president, vice president, or family member, as well as assault with a dangerous weapon, reckless operation of a motor vehicle, trespassing and destruction of federal property. Pretty heavy uh, charges against the guy, wouldn't you think? But then something extraordinary happened. Prosecutors yesterday dropped every single charge, leaving Kandula with nothing but a single count of depredation of property of the United States in excess of a thousand bucks. Critics want to know why. I'm one of those critics. I want to know why. I don't want to sound paranoid, but that seems like they're trying to hush this up. You think? I'm scrolling through a whole host of tweets, people just going nuts about it. The going theory appears to be that 
This was some sort of false flag operation. While this does admittedly sound a little bit conspiratorial, some of the other facts about the case suggest that critics aren't wrong to be so paranoid and get so worked up about it. For one, Candula seemed like a genuinely dangerous guy. So why would prosecutors go that easy on him? I mean, they just let him out of everything. If you or I did that, if we drove a U-Haul truck into one of the foundational pieces of the fence around the White House, we would be put under the jail. He had allegedly planned the attack for six months with his goal to get to the White House, seize power, and put in charge of the nation. Records show that. He honestly felt that. He was accused of threatening to kill the president if that's what I have to do. And he praised Nazism and Hitler. For another, after the ramming incident occurred on Monday, many in the media rushed to portray it as a vile white supremacist attack. Of course, that's what everything that they can't explain. It's either you evil white supremacist or you MAGA Republican white supremacist but it's always white supremacy, MAGA. For so long, we've been hearing not only from the president, but even the FBI director, that white supremacism, far right wing extremists are the biggest threat to this country and its safety. And then you look at the contents of this person's backpack, you can't help but think, I guess they're right. Some even compared the yet unidentified driver with the January 6th rioters. And I think you have to draw a line from this attack on the White House by somebody bearing a Nazi flag to at least some of the people, it's hard to say how many, but some of the people involved in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. How do we know that? Because some of those folks were carrying the same sort of symbols, Nazi flags, Confederate flags, things like that, that show you commonality of ideology. Yet all these comparisons quickly disappeared once Candula's identity was uncovered. Again, why? Because he's non-white. He's a person of color. He's an illegal immigrant. And anything goes for those people. Anything goes. And if you think otherwise, you're a racist. You're a xenophobe. Hmm. Oh, by the way, the House passed yesterday a bipartisan bill to strengthen fentanyl penalties. And guess what? The left-wing groups were in dead opposition to it. It would designate this bill derivatives of fentanyl as Schedule I narcotic drugs under federal law. That raises the civil and the criminal penalties for its use over the objections of several left-leaning groups. It's called the HALT Fentanyl Act. Introduced in January, it would add any material compound mixture or preparation which contains any quantity of a fentanyl-related substance to Schedule I. That's the highest prohibited drug classification under the Controlled Substances Act. Some fentanyl substances are currently classified as Schedule II drugs, and the bill would place all fentanyl substances as Schedule One, along with narcotics like heroin, LSD, marijuana, ecstasy, and peyote. The bill passed by a vote of 289 to 133. 
74 Democrats voted in favor. Some Democrats and left-leaning interest groups have opposed the bill, which would entail greater penalties for the possession, the use, and the sale of fentanyl, such as a mandatory minimum sentence of 10 years for manufacturing or distributing any substance that contains fentanyl, which often includes other non-Schedule One drugs laced with fentanyl and sold by drug traffickers. The class-wide scheduling that this bill would impose would exacerbate pretrial detention, mass incarceration, and racial disparities in the prison system, doubling down on a fear-based enforcement-first response to a public health challenge. That came from the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights in a letter to House Speaker Kevin McCarthy about the bill. Similarly, over 158 non-governmental organizations, NGOs, wrote to oppose the bill, writing that structurally related substances to fentanyl can often have complementary therapeutic values. Well, let's break that down. Fentanyl, first of all, even in its present classification, it can only be given or treated with by a doctor. So anybody that has it without a prescription has it illegally. Fentanyl is legally used in the anesthesia process. If you've been put to sleep, especially in the last decade, you personally experienced some of the things, the good things that happened from prescription fentanyl, fentanyl that is created in a control laboratory situation and regulated and used appropriately. This particular bill was written, was entered in to be considered to become law based upon illegal fentanyl that comes from China through Mexico into the United States across our southern border and sometimes our northern border and trafficked illegally. And by the way, that version of fentanyl and some of the substances that go along with it have killed tens of thousands of Americans who innocently are given something they think is something else. It's laced with, and it may just be 100% fentanyl, and they die almost instantly from overdoses, massive overdoses. So why would any of these Democrats oppose such a bill? I don't have a hard answer for that question. I don't. I have a hypothesis. I'll share it with you right now. Follow the money. Follow the money. (sighs) My gosh. What's happening? Think about our kids. Our kids are dealing with this. It's just nauseating to think that people are dying every day senselessly and needlessly because somebody in our government is not enforcing laws and not holding lawbreakers accountable, and people are dying. I promised you'd hear from Chip Roy, congressman from Texas. He goes after AOC's House floor speech 
At the beginning of this soundbite, you'll hear a little bit of AOC and then hear Chip Roy weigh in countering her claims that are baseless and non-factual. They are accusing Democrats of saying we spend too much. For anyone that wants to entertain that thought, I ask you to think about the last time a person said, has said in this country that the government does too much for them, that their social security check was too high, that teachers are paid too much. When was the last time anyone has heard or seen that? Another, another quote. Uh, President Biden already lowered the deficit by $1.7 trillion. They say his budget would cut the deficit by another $3 trillion by eliminating wasteful spending on big oil and pharma, we're told. But it is, in fact, our Democratic colleagues who prefer to maintain their massive subsidies for the elites and the wealthy in their so-called Inflation Reduction Act just last year. My friend from New York, Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, said, quote, I ask you, think about the last time a person has said in this country that the government does too much for them. When was the last time anyone has heard or seen that? I'll say it. I'll say it right here. I don't want the government doing most of the things that the government is doing to interfere with the ability of the American people to carry out their lives federal, state, and local. When was the last time you had a bureaucrat show up and you said, oh joy, thank you. I'm really glad there's a bureaucrat here. When was the last time you were thankful for $32 trillion in debt, $100,000 almost for every man, woman, and child in America? Anybody thankful for $32 trillion in debt? Anybody? Anybody thankful for a border that's wide open being exploited by cartels while fentanyl comes in and kills our children? Everybody thankful for that Department of Homeland Security that doesn't actually secure the homeland? Everybody thankful for an FBI that went after Scott Smith and labeled him a domestic terrorist for daring to defend his daughter in a school board meeting because she was assaulted in a bathroom? Anybody thankful for the IRS knocking on your door, auditing the poor and the minorities three to five times more? People thankful for that? Are you thankful for the EPA or the Department of Interior that sent a man to prison because he had some ponds on his ranch in Montana? We have a government that is weaponized against the American people and is undermining our liberties, and they want more of it. My colleagues on the other side of the aisle want more, more government. They want more taxes. They want more spending. They want more bureaucrats knocking on your door. What they want is more power, the ability to arbitrarily determine everything about your life, my life, and of course their lives, and they put themselves somewhere above us in the pecking order of, you know, that equality thing. I'll give you a really good example of the insanity of the left. Leadership in Congress, Chuck Schumer. Chuck Schumer, senator from New York. He is the majority leader in the Senate. Yesterday, our Supreme Court came in with a ruling and Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer doesn't agree with it. He slammed the Supreme Court's ruling yesterday. Their ruling 
limited the Environmental Protection Agency's ability to regulate bodies of water. And Schumer called it a MAGA court. He called the Supreme Court a MAGA court because of the way they ruled on this. And guess what was the split on this ruling? Nine to nothing. The Supreme Court unanimously ruled against Joe Biden's Environmental Protection Agency. They issued an opinion that narrowed the EPA's broad definition of waters of the United States. The court said the federal government's got to define waters of the United States as a water source with a continuous surface connection to major bodies of water. Go figure. A water source is actually water. It wouldn't be a hard decision for me to make either. Their decision upended an attempt by Biden to regulate wetlands, lakes, ponds, streams, and other relatively permanent waterways, which had relied on a broad reading of the EPA's authority under the Clean Water Act. Schumer, I'm going to quote him. This MAGA Supreme Court is continuing to erode our country's environmental laws. Schumer tweeted after the opinion was released, make no mistake, this ruling will mean more polluted water and more destruction of wetlands. The ruling came down 9-0 in favor of plaintiffs Michael and Chantel Sackett, two Idaho residents, who the EPA prohibited from building a home near a wetland years ago. The EPA ordered the Sackets to restore the site-threatening penalties of over 40000 bucks a day. That's coming from Justice Alito's majority opinion. The EPA classified the wetlands on the Sackets' lot as waters of the United States. Why? Because they were near a ditch that fed into a creek, which fed into Priest Lake, a navigable intrastate lake. The Sackett sued, alleging that their property was not waters of the United States. However, the court split 5-4 in its analysis of how the federal government should define a water source under the Clean Water Act, understanding the act to apply to wetlands that are distinguishable from otherwise covered waters of the United States, would substantially broaden existing statute to define navigable waters as waters of the United States and adjacent wetlands, Justice Alito wrote. Republicans and industry groups embrace the decision as a blow against what they view as federal overreach and excessive regulation. It's all about power. It's all about increasing the power of the police state called the United States of America. And by the way, our government, the government of the United States of America. Have you kept up with what's going on out there in the woke world? We all know about what happened to Bud Light. What about Target? What about what's going on with Target? By the way, the Bud Light thing, Estimates are that in the value of Anheuser-Busch, that's who owns Bud Light, their stock value, just since the Bud Light debacle started, the trans Bud Light stuff started, the value 
of Anheuser-Busch stock has dropped $17 billion. $17 billion. Target, they are already losing $9 billion in the middle of pride merchandising, their controversy for doing so. Stock value is taking a hit, leaving shareholders. Those are the people that, you know, they buy stock and put it in their portfolios for their retirement, yada, yada, yada. Eh, they've just lost $6 billion worth of stock value. Shares slipped another 1.6% yesterday, have dropped more than 13% since the furor erupted a week ago Wednesday as tracked by Dow Jones Market Data Group. That amounts to 93 billion dollars in market value. Shares have fallen for six days in a row, their longest losing streak since December of 2022 and the worst six-day stretch since the six days ending May 25th when shares fell 27%. Over the same time frame, the S&P 500, there's virtually no change. Inquiries to target on its stock sell-off haven't been return. Wokeism, it's on the ropes. I'm telling you, it's not going to stand because it cannot live by itself. For wokeism to thrive, people got to prop it up. People got to make up rules about it and self-actualize wokeism in their own lives. That's the only way it'll ever work. You can't justify it. There's no way. It's about pontification of power. That's all it is. Somebody wants to control what people think about somebody else. And how do you do that? Well, you put somebody else down. That makes you look better than they are. I, I thought we grew out of that when we left middle school and went into high school. Most of us did. Apparently, some of the woke crowd, they got stuck in it. Probably they were the ones that weren't like the woke crowd when they were growing up didn't appreciate them and put them down. So now what they're doing, hey, 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 we've got the bully pulpit, so we'll be on top and we can put everybody else down. Nah, 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 boo, boo. Biden got some bad news overnight from CNN. Uh-oh. Now, wait a minute, CNN, Joe Biden? Leftists, mainstream media. What did CNN do to Joe Biden? Well, a CNN poll comes back and it shows that 66% of Americans call any 2024 victory by Biden would be a disaster and a setback. Hmm. Some horrible news for President Biden as CNN's latest poll offered a grim forecast ahead of 2024 and his re-election bid. The poll was released yesterday, shows a whopping 66% of us view a Biden victory as either a disaster or a setback for the U.S. Jake Tapper, CNN anchor. Horrible news, horrible for Joe Biden. Those are some bad numbers, he added. CNN's political director, David Shalian, provided analysis of the poll that showed 41% of us specifically called the Biden win a disaster, a slightly better figure than the 44% who 
who said the same about former President Trump. However, another 26% of us viewed a Biden win as a setback, while just 12% said the same thing about a Trump victory. Both frontrunners were tied at 27% among those who call each of their wins a step forward. But Trump held a 10-point lead over Biden among those who would call it a triumph. Now, don't get caught up in these polls. They're going to come and go between now and Election Day 2024. Things are going to change. I promise you they're going to change. Marie, Maria Bartiromo, she's on Fox Business. She does a morning show. You know, I like the content she presents pretty much all the time on her show, but she's got this rasping voice. Her delivery just, it, it kind of makes me cringe sometimes listening to it, especially when she gets animated. But all that being said, yesterday she weighed in about taxpayer money allegedly funding programs that are linking Republicans Republicans, not conservatives, linking Republicans to Nazis. Think about that. Linking Republicans to Nazis. Not that there are some allegations that many Republicans are Nazis, but linking Republicans to Nazis. Welcome back. Now, this first on Fox Business, a bombshell new report reveals the Biden administration is using taxpayer money to rage a covert war on conservatives and Christian groups. The Media Research Center, a conservative watchdog group, obtaining documents showing DHS, Department of Homeland Security, is using a program meant to fight terrorists, which includes groups like the Heritage Foundation, MAGA, Fox News, even the Republican National Committee in the same category as Nazis. Joining me right now is Media Research Center founder and president Brent Bozal. Brent, it's great to have you this morning. We want to know more about this. Tell us what you found and this so-called pyramid of far-right radicalization. It's an astonishing finding, Maria. We, there, there's the program called the Targeted Violence and Terrorism uh, Prevention Grant Program. This is supposed to find uh, domestic terrorists in America. It was started by Obama. There was concern by Republicans that it would be weaponized against Republicans and conservatives. Trump put, put the kibosh on it. It's come back now with Joe Biden. You have that pyramid. Where's that pyramid coming from? There are 80 recipients of money so far. They've received $40 million in grants. We've done FOIAs on 31 of them. The University of Dayton, none of them have wanted to respond. Here we go again. Recipients of public money won't tell the public what their money is for. We, the, the University of Dayton wouldn't give it to us. We found the documents. Anyway, look at that pyramid. This was a conference in December of 2021. In the first la la layer, you've got Heritage, you've got the uh, Breitbart, you've got Fox News, you've got Christian Broadcasting, you've got the Republican National Committee. Already you've got more than half of America is on the list. The second level torques it up. More dangerous groups, Turning Point USA, Tea Party Patriots, PragerU, Breitbart, that American conservative unit. Then the third level is 
pro-Nazi organizations. And the top one is militant Nazi organizations. So there you go, the pyramid, showing the progression of domestic terrorism. But listen to this. I want you to hear this, what, 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 what they were actually doing in this conference. One speaker was associating Ron DeSantis with the Holocaust. Unbelievable. One speaker was associating Donald Trump with Pol Pot the, the uh, uh, genocide guy. One speaker did this. He advocated programs to deny people to shut down their websites, to close their meetings, and to physically prevent them from assembling in public. Physically prevent them from assembling in, in, in public. Physically. Yeah. Put it all together, and it goes on. Uh, by the way, that speaker also said, and this is, this is a quote that we, we have to remember. He's a member of Antifa. He said, a lot of things we are doing are illegal. A lot of it involves breaking the law. Yeah. They put it all together. They wrapped it up. They sent it to the DHS. And DHS awarded them a grant of $358,000 to continue doing it. Wow. And, and this is why the Republicans continue to say that this administration looks for terrorists of, of, in America, uh, whether it's parents you know, going after parents because they want to know more about their kids in school rather than going after China as an adversary. You're calling now for the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas to step down. I mean, there have been calls to impeach this guy over the border. And now this. Well, you've got him. You've got him testifying in Congress and lying through his teeth about the border. Everyone knows he's lying. All you have to do is look at the video. But now you've got this, where he's taking government funding meant to find terrorists, and he's going after Fox News. He believes, Maria, you're a terrorist. I'm a terrorist. Anybody with the RNC is a terrorist. Anyone supporting uh, reading Breitbart, the Christian Broadcasting Network, for the love of God, the Heritage Foundation, the most prestigious conservative think tank in America, mm. all have now been targeted as associated to one degree or another with terrorism. You disagree with somebody? Hey, just slap a label on them. Terrorist. Terrorist organization. We know that. Yeah. Is there any end to this? Is there any way to get out of this mode that we're in as a nation? I mean, we weaponize everything against everybody else. Instead of just standing up, telling the truth, doing the right things all the time, never having to look over your shoulder and say, you know what? I may have lied to them last time I talked. What did I say? I want to make sure I cover up that lie this time. I don't want to get caught. Oh, my gosh. Hey, we've got a big story up next about Adam Schiff. Join in the conversation. To find out how, see the homepage at truthnewsnet.org. This is TNN. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running, and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto, 529-8342. 529-8342. When your cable company keeps you on hold, you get angry. When you get angry, you go blow off steam. When you go blow off steam, accidents happen. 
When accidents happen, you get an eye patch. When you get an eye patch, people think you're tough. When people think you're tough, people want to see how tough. And when people want to see how tough, you wake up in a roadside ditch. Don't wake up in a roadside ditch. Get rid of cable and upgrade to DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. What happens when a young singer gets to cut a track with an R&B star? Yo! Or a young activist gets to chop it up with their hero? Oh, snap! You get McDonald's Black and Positively Golden Mentors, the series elevating the next generation of changemakers. Each episode, a must-see passing of the torch between the culture leaders of today and the young leaders of tomorrow. Check out Black and Positively Golden Mentors on Instagram at We Are Golden. Look out, world. We got it from here. Truth, Justice, the American Way. The Truth News Network. Once again, here's Dan Newman. Told you we've got a blockbuster story about Representative Adam Schiff. Rep. Anna Paulina Luna. She's from Florida. She's introduced a resolution proposing a $16 million fine. $16 million fine against Adam Schiff. Now, what's this all about? Well, here's what she said. It's the obligation of House leadership to back up this motion for the American people and hold this feckless man accountable. That's according to Representative Luna in a statement. This is a privileged resolution, and it's the right thing for House leadership to support and bring accountability and respect back to the House of Representatives. All members of Congress must be held to this standard. So this proposed fine represents about half of the cost that was incurred by U.S. taxpayers. What for? The federal investigation into alleged Trump-Russia collusion, which has been debunked by reports from special counsels Robert Mueller and most recently John Durham. Breitbart reported last week that Durham exonerated Donald Trump on all claims of Russia collusion and confirmed that the FBI targeted and spied on the former president. Since 2017, Shrimp, uh, Schiff, I said Shrimp, Schiff has asserted the evidence tying Trump to the Russian hoax was not circumstantial. The resolution highlights Schiff's role as the chair of the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence granting him access to sensitive information unavailable to everybody else. This position allowed Schiff to instigate a fraudulently based investigation, which he then used to amass political gain and fundraising dollars. Among numerous offenses cited in this resolution is this, referring to Trump associate Carter Page, Schiff composed a false memo justifying the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA warrant, on Trump associate Carter Page, which Inspector General Horowitz later found was riddled with 17 major mistakes and omissions, provoking FISA court presiding judge Rosemary Collier to state unequivocally that the FBI misled the FISA court. Adam Schiff, I gotta be Honest with you and tell you, something like this could not happen to a more deserving member of Congress than Adam Schiff. Well, 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 that's a wrap on the week here. Well, we still have Saturday. 
We'll have our Saturday bullet point story up first thing tomorrow. You guys have a great weekend. Love has locked us up, peaches. We're locked inside this suit. Your bananas get thrown at me and mine get thrown at you. Every night we fuss and fight like Arabs and like Jews. I guess love is always just... Love is monkey see and monkey do That's all it is, peaches Love is monkey see and monkey do Would I lie to you? Love is monkey see and monkey do That's all it is, peaches Love is monkey see and monkey do Do, do, do Do you want my love, peaches? Do you want my rage? Or do you merely like to see me shake my cage? Your papayas get thrown at me and mine get thrown at you. I guess love is always just. Love is monkey see and monkey do. That's all it is, peaches. Love is monkey see and monkey do. Would I lie to you? Love is monkey see and monkey do That's all it is, peaches Love is monkey see and monkey do Love is monkey see and monkey do